culture, society. On every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes we can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get your favorite drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. All from the comfort of your couch. Because society is great, but it doesn't have your couch. And it's windy out. And you forgot your jacket. And oh my God, would you look at the line at that place? Are you serious? I... (sighs) So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. You're listening to Hashtag No Filter. With Zach Peter, that's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach on all of the social meds. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up with the latest reality TV tea, go give us a follow at No Filter with Zach or just join our private Facebook group. Click that link in the description below. It's always a good time, so get ready. Today, um, I'm really excited. I have to say I'm feeling good as gold about today's episode. It is all happening. You may know her from Bravo TV's Vanderpump Rules. She's got a poppin' YouTube channel now, and she's full of shenanigans. Please welcome the host of the Shenanigans podcast, Miss Sheena Shea. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. I've been following your YouTube videos and your Instagram account. And not only are your photos like so good, like I need to know what filters you're using because you look so good and the photos are just like perfection. Thank you. Um, The only time I filter is usually on like Instagram story. And then I kind of just send my photos to my sister and she'll just like tweak the lighting. I don't know if there's a specific filter, but I just I leave my photos in her hands and she always makes them look good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. so before we dive deep, you have to answer my icebreaker. So every guest that comes on the show has to answer these. Okay, are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. First question is, where did you grow up and what part of the world are you currently living in? I grew up in Azusa, California. I am currently living in San Diego. I love it. I lived in West Covina for like 10 years. So I know Azusa. Oh, no way. Yeah. I went to high school just outside of West Covina. I went to Bishop Amont. Love it. Um, I went to Cathedral. Okay, cool. Uh, What's one word your mother would use to describe you? Oh, um... As a kid or nowadays? Now. How would she describe you now? I think she would just say that I'm a good person and I have a good heart. And uh-huh. that's the way she raised me. As mamas, as mamas always should. Yes. Fun fact, what's one thing people would not expect about you? Um... I always like to say that I skipped a grade because I think a lot of people just judge me based on an edit on a TV show and think I'm 
kind of ditzy, but I'm actually really smart. I got my bachelor's degree at 20 years old. And uh, I don't think a lot of people know that. I have to say on the show or on TV and like on uh, your YouTube channel, we get to see very different sides of you. I like this other, this more, I guess, real side of you. Cause it's funny. There are other Thank people, you. other um, Vanderpump stars that have been on this show. And one thing they've all consistently said is that you are so much funnier and so much more real than we get to see of you. And that the, the edit we get to see wasn't always fair. That's exactly why I wanted to start the YouTube channel, especially after last season, this like desperate boy crazy where I'm like, there's so much more to me and my life and just like my career and things I do outside of the show. And I figured, you know, why not start a YouTube channel and be able to show that? I love it. Um, What is your drink of choice? Ooh, um, right now it's been mojitos. But earlier in quarantine, I was like obsessed with White Claw. A go-to was always a Tito's and soda with lemon. But um, I just like more like refreshing, but not too sweet drinks. So if I ever order a mojito, I say no sugar. And they look at me like, I'm like basically just sparkling water with lime and mint, you know, either alcohol or just sparkling water with lime and mint. Sometimes you could throw some strawberry in there, but just refreshing and not too sweet. Yeah. I like it more tart. I don't like a sweet cocktail. Even like with margaritas, I'm like, can you put like a speck of agave? Because they like sweeten yeah. them so much. Yeah, even the skinny ones are still sometimes too sweet. I agree. Um, last yeah. icebreaker question, which is really my favorite question to ask people. And it's if you could be reincarnated as a Kardashian, which one would it be? Kim, hands down. Yeah. <laughs> Most people say Chloe, and I'm just like, I can't get with the Chloe vibe. I mean, I like Chloe, but she wouldn't be like my go to choice, you know? Yeah. I mean, I love Chloe. I think if I were to be friends with any of them, I would definitely have the most fun with her. But if I were to be any one of them, I think I have the most similarities to Kim. And uh, she's just always been my fave. Yeah. So how have you been like surviving quarantine? What have you been like doing to stay sane or to stay busy? Um, so I do acupuncture twice a week. And then I've also started Reiki recently. I've been doing some light reading, which I never do. (laughs) Uh, I binged a few good shows. I go out on the beach and I've done some like witchy moon rituals when we've had full moons out under the full moon um, on the beach side. And uh, I'm just trying to just kind of like be more in tune with my body and not turn to the vices. I was at the beginning of quarantine. I was drinking a lot more. I mean, even it was noon. I'm like, yes, I'll have my second white claw. There's nothing else to do. And I was smoking weed every day. And I haven't done that for a few months now, like three and a half, four months, I think. And I've just been trying to find ulterior alternate ways to cope with anxiety. I'm fully off my anxiety meds. And I know that acupuncture, Reiki, and just meditating, all of those things have really helped me. 
That's awesome. I love doing acupuncture and acupressure and Reiki. Like I'm into all of that stuff. I've done sound baths. I've done like yoga with the goats. Like if it's, if you tell me it's going to be good for me, if Gwyneth Paltrow is putting it up her hoo-ha, I'm all about it. (laughs) Yes, I love it. So uh, a couple months ago, you bravely opened up about your recent miscarriage. How are you doing now? Can you update my listeners with like what's what's going on with you and your pregnancy plans and your relationship with Brock? I think it was one of those things that was obviously really difficult initially. I mean, neither of us had ever been through a situation of that sort. So it was, I mean, extremely devastating, but ultimately I think brought us even closer together and showed us, you know, that we do want kids together and we do want this sort of life. And I think that it happened to me for a couple reasons. I think one was to kind of wake me up from my partying ways and for me to realize like okay you always say like oh I don't like kids I don't even know if I want kids I froze my eggs just in case but I'm like the second I was pregnant I'm like no I do want this now I know more than ever I do want to be a mom and that obviously wasn't the right time but it did make me realize what I really want in life and I think another reason was to be a voice for pregnancy loss and for all of the women out there who just suffer in silence. I think there's so much stigma around it where women think that it's their fault and they think that they did something wrong. And I went through every single one of those motions. You know, I didn't know I was pregnant the first couple of weeks and I drank and then I smoked a little weed. And then it was like, I was already trying to slow down because we were thinking about freezing embryos at the time. But there were still those couple of times I I went on a jet ski and I'm like, but what if I didn't do that? What if I didn't do this? And that's just such a common thing with pregnancy loss and me speaking out about it. I mean, I've had thousands of women reach out and just thank me because they were suffering in silence. And I just want to be an advocate for that to let them know they're not alone and it's not their fault. So what was that healing process like for you? Because I can imagine, I mean, I've never gone through it. I'm never going to go through something like that. But I can only imagine that it would feel very like isolating and that there would be a lot of like self-blame. How did you move? How did you process those emotions and move into that healing process? A lot of meditating, honestly. Like the week that I found out I there was no heartbeat and I was going to have a miscarriage and we didn't know if it was going to happen naturally for that week. It was such a mind fuck because I knew I wasn't pregnant, but I still was, but there was nothing growing. And I was like, I can't have a drink. I can't smoke weed. Like, even though there's nothing progressing, it was just still like I was still technically pregnant. And it was just the worst feeling in the world not knowing what to do and how to cope. And I was like, okay, look, I'm not going to go back to these vices. So I need to just figure out a way to process my emotions and my feelings. And I found some really good meditations. And I just started doing that sometimes several times a day. I definitely took up more sleeping because that was the only time I wasn't really sad. But also once I put it out there publicly and I did my podcast, I did my vlog, speaking to so many women who had been through it multiple times, had way worse experiences. It just opened up my eyes that 
you know, here I am going through this, but yeah, it's like, okay, it could have been worse. It could have been this. It could have been that. There's so many things that people say that doesn't make it any easier, but when you're able to relate to another woman who's gone through the same thing, it definitely helps, you know, you're not alone because no one, there were a couple of friends of mine who had had a miscarriage, but out of like my closer friend group, like who you guys know, like no one had been through anything like that. Yeah. So for me, it was just about getting my voice heard and letting women all over the world just know they're not alone and I feel their pain and I will speak on that till the day I die. No matter how many kids I have one day, I still lost my first one. You said that it helped your relationship with Brock kind of get closer together. How was he, like what support did he give you during that time and how did he help with that healing process? Initially, he was really angry and it was hard for him. He decided to go golfing one day and it was on his way. He was, the gym was already back open in San Diego. I was still living in Palm Springs. He was down here working. I was there by myself. And he was still driving all the way from San Diego, two and a half hours in traffic, or I don't even know, it was like about, yeah, like two and a half hours because traffic was just slowly starting to pick back up, get to Palm Springs just to spend the night with me to turn around and be back at the gym in San Diego at 6 a.m. So he was driving up to spend that time with me. And on the way up, he decided to stop and play nine holes golf because that was his way of blowing off steam and just kind of blocking it out, but also dealing with it. And I didn't understand that at the time. Cause I'm just like, why are you golfing? You should be here. Like, yeah. but in hindsight now I'm like, that was his way of, you know, meditating. Like he needed to just go and blow off some steam and hit some golf balls. And that's like his Zen happy place. And I completely understand now why he needed to do that. And he wasn't doing that every day. That was, one time but he was like when he got to my house that night he was just like I I don't know how to deal with this like I'm angry like I was excited like I wanted to have this baby with you and like it it was really difficult time for us because we had so many emotions that we didn't really know how to process but then finding out after so many people really close to me who I didn't know before had had a miscarriage came forward, a cousin of mine, a family member of his. And I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea because women don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. They just, they keep it like it's this deep, dark secret. And not that I ever would wish that on my worst enemy, but just knowing that there were immediate family members and close people in our lives who had been through the same thing, some more than once, it really helped us understand and I think just have a better understanding of each other and what each other needed and I'm like okay you're angry and you need to go golf I'm sad and I need to go meditate and it took some time but I think also moving in together down here in San Diego just kind of having a fresh start being literally I'm looking at the ocean right now like we have in a bayside house that's just like amazing and I think that helped too was kind of like a fresh start for us. People forget that like when it comes to grieving, the process is so unique to each individual person that like sometimes golfing or meditating, like whatever you need to 
process those emotions like shouldn't come with any judgment it should just be you know allowed and kind of like supportive what do you think people Mm -hmm. could have done you said that openly talking about it and sharing experiences but what about people that maybe haven't experienced a miscarriage like what could they do to support their family or friends I think just knowing what not to say is more important than knowing the right thing to say because there's no right thing to say but there was something I posted last week where people are like, you know, well, at least you're young, at least you're this, like at least, mm-hmm. and it's like, at least isn't a good way to help someone who's grieving. So I think just trying to be a little more sensitive as to what not to say, and also stop asking women when they're going to get pregnant again, because it's like, you don't know if a woman has been trying and struggling, maybe that was her only chance. And now every time you're asking, you're just bringing this back up. And I think that a lot of people until they've been through it, which, you know, I hope people don't go through it, but unfortunately it's one in four pregnancies end this way. And a lot of people just don't understand. And they think it's okay to like ask a woman, like, when are you getting pregnant? When are you trying again? It's like, Oh, and for me, I mean, I am such an open book and it takes a lot to really bother me, but there's so many women who are so much more sensitive. And that's what I've just been trying to be vocal about recently is just stop asking. You don't know someone's struggles. You don't know if they're trying. You don't know if they're so traumatized from that, that they don't want to try again. Like maybe they wish they could, but they're not strong enough to possibly go through a second loss. Like you just don't no so just don't ask because honestly when it's the right time when someone is pregnant when they want to try when they want you to know they will tell you it's not something to be asked so being in this you know post a couple of months now you said that it brought your relationship with brock uh, together a lot more you guys have come out of this stronger where do you guys see yourselves going in the in 2021. I mean, I feel like we're all kind of ready to be over 2020. Where do you guys see yourselves? Yeah. Are there are there possibly wedding bells? Maybe um, on I a think, San Diego beach? I think not on a San Diego beach, probably on like a Bali beach when it's safe to travel. <laughs> Love it. I mean, I think we'll definitely get engaged next year. We're not in a rush to get married, but I'm like, you know, I was only a fiance for a year last time. I liked saying fiance say being fiancés is fun it's an extra step of commitment but it's just it's a fun time where you know you're not in a rush you don't have to set a certain date right away so we're like you know like his mom's been asking and my mom asks and we're like we know we want to be together forever we don't we're both divorced we don't need to hop into another marriage but maybe we'll just get engaged for a few years to shut our moms up Okay, I and have to- I will definitely be going back to LA next year because he's going to be playing rugby. Oh. Their seasons like January to April, so I think we'll definitely be back up in LA for the first part of the year. But San Diego now is always also going to be home. I love it. I have to ask though: Can he hang a TV in under seven minutes? Um, we didn't time him, but you know, he's, he's pretty damn handy. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, so you're, you have your podcast now shenanigans, you have your YouTube channel, both seem to be killing it. Um, and I love that, like I said earlier, I love that we get to see a more human side of you compared to some of these, um, 
<clears throat> terrible edits that we've seen of you <laughs> in years prior. How has the response been from fans being that, you know, this is really their only way of keeping up with you is through your social media. What has their response been now kind of getting to see a more 360 view of Sheena Shea? It has been so positive. That's what I love about YouTube. There's maybe one or two negative comments on each vlog out of hundreds. Yeah, It's like insane how positive it is because I'm like, if I could just be judged on my YouTube and my podcast, if you don't like <laughs> me and you don't fuck with me, then that's fine. Yeah. But to judge me on an edited show I have zero control over with 18 other cast members, that's not an accurate portrayal of my life to judge me on. So I love that with my YouTube, people are actually getting to know all of me, my relationship, because who knows if there is going to be a season nine, who knows if Brock's going to be on it, who knows how much of our relationship you're going to see, but there's hours. And I think 40 some vlogs on my YouTube like, what do you think is going to be a more accurate portrayal of my life? The hours of footage that I've produced and put out there or minutes someone else has edited? Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like and then when you have when you're on a show, there's a storyline that needs to be followed. And it's just it's harder to really see that full 360 view of who a person is. You see one dimension and you see one dimension and what you're on a show with eight other people that like you only get a couple 18. minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's insane. 19 cast members last year. 19 stories we're following. That's crazy. I have to say, even the like the other Vanderpump co-stars, even Max recently, when I had him on earlier in the year, had such nice things to say about you. And everybody is like, Sheena does not get a fair edit on TV. And I, I, yeah. I've fallen more in love with you because I've had seasons where I'm like, Sheena, I have a love-hate relationship with Sheena. But getting to see this other side of you, especially on like shenanigans, it's, it's nice to see the human side of you. Thank you. And that's the reason I think why I do have such a big friend group. And it's because there's just so much to me that you don't see that so many other people do get to see because they actually know me. And I feel like if the world actually got to know me the way so many of my friends do, you know, they're, it would just be better, but it is what it is. This is what I signed up for. <laughs> Speaking of your friend group through though, uh, we recently saw on your social media that a couple of your co-stars got together at Sir recently. Now that it's reopened again, yeah. how is everybody doing? The food was just as good as I remembered it. I could not <laughs> believe I was like, this is the longest I've ever not eaten at sir since like i don't know 2008 i mean it was so good to be back to get all of my friends together it was our anniversary we had our sparkler and it just it felt really good because like sir's like that's like home and yeah. as much as i love living in san diego right now i'm not ready to get back to la full time it just like felt like home and it was really good to go back and have the pasta and the cobbler and the goat cheese balls and all of it. it was so the good. pasta though, right? Like the real. It's all about the pasta. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, you know, my listeners love the scoop. So on your okay. podcast shenanigans, you mentioned that Miss Lala Kent wasn't really there for you during a difficult mm -hmm. time. And she mm -hmm. has kind of since gone on to bash you a bit on like IG live and in some social media posts and even talked about it a little bit on her podcast last week. 
and you haven't really engaged. You haven't really like commented. So can you give me some scoop on like what's going on there? Um, so. Cause she came at you pretty hard. She even came for your man. I was like, Lala. It took a lot in me to not respond, but I was just trying to be the bigger person and not keep this immature war going. I simply said a very short, not detailed version of what happened that weekend in Palm Springs on my podcast. I was just pointing out the fact that I was hurt. Like if you listened to my podcast and didn't just read the headlines in the recap, I was like breaking down on my podcast. I was hurt. My feelings were hurt. I was hurt. I wasn't invited to her gender reveal. And I was just hurt that the way she wasn't there for me. That was all. I wasn't trying to come for her character or anything like that. I was just pointing out the fact that I was hurt. And then she goes and does this Instagram live and a few people sent me like screen records of it. And I was like, well, you know, that's Lala. She goes on Instagram live and rants and I'm like, whatever it is, what it is. But then like a day or two later, when I saw her, like one, two, three, four thing that she like posted, like completely bashing my relationship saying, you know, this is why her relationships are a train wreck and bringing up John Mayer, which was so irrelevant. And I don't even remember what else she said, but I was like, I wasn't even coming for you. Yeah, I was pointing out the fact that I was hurt. And instead of you messaging me, like I think she said on her Instagram live, like I didn't text her, I didn't reach out. And it's like, but why didn't you? Why didn't you say, you know what, Sheena? I'm so sorry. I genuinely felt I was there for you. And I'm so sorry you felt otherwise. That's all I needed. That is all. You have your perception of how things went down. You live in your own world. You say, I live on my own planet. So do you, sweetheart. So that's how you thought it happened. But instead of having a conversation with me, you go and blast my relationship. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say anything about that. I just let it go. And then, like you said, I had several people this week reach out to me and say, she's still talking about it on her podcast. And she sent me a text message saying, like, I'm not going to clown you publicly. And I'm like, you mean again? Because you already said everything you could possibly say about me. But this is just you needing to get your final word in. And she's like, I will never speak of you again. Like, this is the last you'll ever hear from me. Whatever she said. And she's like, I want the same respect. So I was like, okay, you know what? I read it. I didn't respond. I just, I was going to give her that same respect. And then the next week, she's still talking about me on her podcast. I even, someone sent me a screenshot of the description where my name is in the description of the podcast episode. So it's like, you asked me to stop talking about it and you're still talking. I found it interesting that she brought Brock into it in your relationship, considering how upset she got with James when he came after Randall a couple of years ago. And I'm like, we've already, no one's brushing over the fact that Brock went golfing. I was very upset with him. I'm simply understanding. But like, what pissed me off the most about that situation is she lied. She said on her live that I didn't ask her to come over. So you think in the midst of my panic attack, as I'm begging you to come over, you just casually mentioned you have dinner plans. Why would I know you were going to dinner? 
It's because I asked you to come over. I said, I need you. Can you come over? And you said, I can't right now because I have dinner. Can I check on you later? And I'm like, I don't need you later. Later, my boyfriend will be here. I need you now. And she even said in the text message she sent me, which this is just so Lala. She said she was there for me that day in the same capacity as my mother. And the fact that she thinks she is up there with my mom is just a whole new low for her. So good riddance. I unfollowed her. I never see a friendship with her again. And I'm completely fine with that because honestly, for the last three years, I've felt myself forcing a friendship with her because every time she hurts me, she feels bad. She begs for my forgiveness, but it's usually when there's camera in her face and I forgive her. And then she does it again and I forgive her and then she does it again. And I'm like, I haven't wanted this friendship to continue for years. I just, I keep forgiving you. And at this point I'm, I'm done. I'm checked out. I, I don't have room for that type of fakeness in my life anymore. Sometimes you just need to cut the cancer and you need to cut out the toxic people in your life so that you can be happy and full of positivity and light in your own life. Yeah, exactly. So now what about your relationship with Stassi? Because you opened up during your miscarriage, how she was very supportive of you. And we saw in some of the the headlines recently that she unfollowed you. How are you guys doing? Well, I unfollowed her first. She returned the favor. That is what was missed in the headlines. And I unfollowed her, which is very ironic for the exact thing I praised her about for being there for me is the exact reason we're not friends anymore. Someone from my huddle group, it's this like live um, FaceTime Zoom interaction with fans that I was doing weekly. It's this amazing new platform called Huddle. And every week we meet and just catch up, shoot the shit, whatever. And I did one that was kind of focused around my miscarriage. And they had asked like, you know, who's reached out to you, who's been there for you. And I don't even recall exactly like pulling up my phone and being like, this is what Stassi said. But I do remember sharing that she sent me a really sweet text. And I very likely may have read a part of her text because it was so sweet. And that's all. I don't talk about Stassi in my huddles. I have plenty of other things to talk about with my group than her. But right before Jackson Brittany's gender reveal, I get a text from her and, you know, here I am sharing her private messages again. But she basically just said that she had no interest continuing anything more than surface level with me because she was informed I was reading her private messages to strangers. And I'm like, "Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. The only message I would have shared was how sweet of a message you sent me after my miscarriage, which I have no idea why you would be mad I shared that. But like in this, the same message she sent me, it was like, I have no desire to talk this out to you. We will remain surface level, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're not even gonna give me the benefit of the doubt. You hear something from a stranger, a fan, a Facebook group, whatever. And you're just like, done. So I was like, you know what, Stassi, we've been surface level for years. I'm fine continuing that way. I wish you nothing but the best. And I just went and unfollowed her because I'm like, you know what? I don't follow people I'm not friends with. The second that Lala's Instagram rant was sent to me, I had, I mean, 
15 people like, did you see this? Did you see this? And I'm like, no, I've had Lala muted for like six months. So no, I didn't see her story. And once I read it, then I was just like unfollow. And then after the Stassi text, I was like unfollow. I, I don't, I'm not going to follow people that I have on mute because I feel bad unfollowing you. Like we're not friends. It's fine. I love, I love that so much because I'm the same way where I mute people <laughs> and then eventually like, and I'm so quick to be like, just unf- if you don't bring joy, I'm going to Marie, Ocond- Marie Kondo you out of my life. If you don't bring yes. me joy, I don't need to see you in my feed. And there's no point in even mute, like keeping you muted sometimes. Cause it's just like, exactly. thank you next. Yeah. It was just a lot of like the baby stuff initially. Like I did have to mute some people cause it was hard for me to yeah. be saying the growing baby bumps and stuff. So there were some people I placed on mute for the time being, cause it was hard for me. But with her, I was just like, you add zero value to my life. So why am I even following you? Yeah. Who has really been supportive lately? Anybody from that front friend group that's reached out or kind of really been there to, to help you through? Yeah, I mean, Tom and Ariana are like my rocks. They have always been there for me firsthand. I mean, Brock more than anyone, you know, despite the golfing one day thing, (laughs) he has been here for me so much along with my family. But outside of that group, you know, Kristen was really supportive. Brittany has been really supportive. And James, Raquel and I, I mean, they've been such good friends of mine for years, but I feel like even with this pandemic, we've gotten even closer. I've literally spent every week with them for the last like five weeks and they've been amazing. Charlie now lives down in Carlsbad. She's been awesome. And Max and I are super close. He's actually spending the night tonight. We're doing a photo shoot tomorrow for my boy crazy line. Love it. (laughs) Yes. So what can we look forward to from Sheena Shea for the rest of 2020 and into 2021? Do you have any exciting new projects in the works that you can tease? Yeah. So my Boy Crazy merch is finally launching. We got all of the beanies sent to us in the spring and it's right as the pandemic hits. I'm like, I'm not going to start selling merchandise when so many people are unemployed. It's also summer and it's beanies. So I was like, you know what, let's just hold out until fall. We wanted to figure out um, the right charity to donate a portion to as well. So my sister's looking into a a few different ones right now. We're going to launch next week and I will be posting about that. But we have boy crazy beanies, face masks, and I also have ones that have my it's all happening tattoo on them. I love it. So that's all being shot tomorrow and launching next week. I'm really excited for that. And uh, I think, you know, we'll see how the first run goes, but eventually I want to expand it into hoodies and crop tops, obviously. And uh, yeah, just make a, a whole boy crazy, it's all happening line. I love it. Where is it going to be available at? Um, it, it will be all online. So I'll post the link on my Instagram. I think it's uh, going to be boycrazymerch.com but we're still finishing up the website this week. All the pictures coming tomorrow and I will be posting about it. We're going to film some stuff for my YouTube next week. And you guys will definitely see all the swipe ups on my stories. I love it. And everyone can follow you at Sheena, right? On all social media. Yes. Yep. At At, Sheena. At Sheena. Shenanigans is available everywhere. Podcasts are available. 
And then you have some new merch coming out. Your YouTube channel. What's your YouTube yeah. channel link for everybody to check that out, to go subscribe? You can just go to youtube.com slash Sheena. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Sheena. I really appreciate you calling in and chatting with me today. I can't wait to get some boy crazy merch because, you know, I'm a little boy yes. crazy, too. Uh, but thank you Definitely. again, Sheena. I appreciate it. You spilled some good tea. We had some good convos. And I just I, I appreciate and love you from afar from from thank via you Zoom. So much. All right. Thank yes. you so much, Sheena. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. You guys can listen every Monday and Wednesday, Monday Pop Culture Breakdowns and Wednesday Unfiltered Interviews. Please go and give Sheena follow at Sheena and listen to her podcast because it's really good. In between listening to episodes of Hashtag No Filter, you can go listen to Shenanigans. So go and subscribe right now and check out that YouTube channel and give me a five-star review because I'm a millennial and I love that validation. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week. Bye.